the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed, it is. The Bob's 10 o'clock. Bad news, good news for you as it pertains to the Mueller report. Bad news is we missed Congressman Jordan's questioning of uh, Bob Mueller. I spoke to Congressman Jordan on Monday, if you recall, and uh, asked him if he could give us any sneak preview as to what he was going to ask Bob Mueller at this um, uh, dog and pony show today. He obviously said he could not, but invited us to watch and listen. And, of course, uh, naturally, he started speaking and questioning when we were in a newscast just now. At the top of the hour, I was going to go live to uh, Jim Jordan. But uh, the good news is I do have it saved. We will be able to hear his question and answering of Bob Mueller in its entirety. I also have for you Louis Gohmert and Doug Collins, two other of the Republican members of this committee who are questioning Bob Mueller. Democrats are clearly trying to undermine the report itself, suggesting that, yes, there was collusion, and yes, there was provable evidence of obstruction of justice, and that Bob Mueller's report was insufficient. They're trying to get him to admit that so that then they can discount the entirety of the written report and reopen a new investigation. Or perhaps just have another vote for impeachment now based on what Bob Mueller here says here today. So it's really a fascinating circus, but mind you, it really is just that. It's a circus. All right, so uh, 10 minutes after the uh, top of the hour, thanks for joining us again on this Wednesday. It's the 24th morning of the seventh month of the year of our Lord 2019. While all focus is on Capitol Hill and these hearings, we want to turn our attention now to the border. Children are being abused. They are being quite literally kidnapped and or sold by their parents to migrants, mules, and others who use them to get across the border and then use family connections or the status or the, the appearance of a family tie here to get uh, early release into the United States. Those same children are then being turned around and sent back across the border where they are used by 
other individuals. In other words, they're recycling children for the purpose of getting into this country. One uh, congressman from Texas, Lance Gooden, is suggesting a new bill that would require DNA testing at the border, swabbing the insides of the cheeks of all of the children and the adults that they come in with to find out if there really is a family relationship and to try to stop the abuse of these children. Joining us now to talk about all matters related to the illegal immigration crisis is David Ray, Federation for American Immigration Reform. Hey, David, how are you, sir? Doing great, Bob. How you doing, buddy? Uh, doing all right. Boy, every time I talk to you, you're in a great mood. How do you do it? How do you do it? You oh. sound so positive with so many things just crapping down all over our border and our country right now. How do you manage to find the optimism? I have, I, I'm the eternal optimist because I believe that the immigration fight is a long-term fight. Your kids are going to have it. Your grandkids are going to have it. There's always going to be more people who want to come in here than we are willing to admit, and they are going to try to abuse the system every way humanly possible to get in without having to go by the rules, as we're seeing right now, using children as, uh, you know, get out of jail free cards on the southern border. But I believe that, you know, democracy is a slow process and we are inching towards uh, eventual success every day. How's that? Not very well, I like things, it. I, I'm, I think I'm it glad. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you do have that optimism. I wish I shared yeah. it because I'm just more concerned and worried about things right now. That story I just told uh, when I led into you and, and gave the introduction. Uh, is exactly the story that was told by Kevin McLean and the uh, Homeland Security Secretary. Right. And, and he said, you know, uh, a, a 51-year-old man bought a six-month-old right. child for $80 in order to exploit yep. the loopholes in the immigration system that would allow him to stay in the country because he has a quote-unquote family and he's bringing this child. And he said adults are bringing these children with them. Uh, even if they're not their own, then sending them back and recycling them, and they're being used by others. Very dangerous. They're being handed to strangers. Lord only knows if these strangers are dangerous, beyond they're obviously trying to cheat the system. Um, right. This is this is beyond a humanitarian crisis, uh, uh, David oh, yeah. Ray. This is a security crisis. Oh, it's absolutely a humanitarian crisis, because several of these children have died at the border. Uh, there have been two Guatemalans in the last six months who died, uh, very young Guatemalan children. Um, you know, Bob, if you think about the fact, if you created a law that said anybody that has their right hand painted blue uh, could not be touched uh, by immigration officials when they came over the border, would you be suddenly surprised that everyone started arriving at our southern border with their right hand painted blue? I mean, that's basically what our laws have done. They've said if you have a child with you, you can't be held for more than 20 days, and then you need to be released into the interior of the country. So everyone is using asylum or you know false claims for asylum once they get in, and their child in hand is their guarantee of release after 20, uh, after 20 days. Now, a couple data points here just for your listeners. Between October yes. and May, there were 4,800 instances of this, where it was found that there was not a genetic link between the adults uh, who arrived and the child that they claimed to be theirs. Recently, as recently as last week, one out of six of these claimed uh, links of, uh, you know, bringing a child in, there was no biological link to this child. So it, you wonder why children have to be held so long and why, you know, detention facilities are backed up. We're having to do DNA screening. Now, they've, they've 
they've got it down to, to, to just 90 minutes. But prior to this, these tests could take a long time because, you know, think about this. If this child isn't being recycled, in other words, when you let these illegal aliens go, if this child isn't sent back to Mexico or Central America to come in with another group of individuals, then what you could probably have is that this child uh, is being smuggled in, will be smuggled into the United States, will be trafficked, and will end up in the sex slavery uh, line of business or being exploited in some other way. And the government cannot facilitate the exploitation of children. And that's why this loophole needs to be changed, because it's actually incentivized people to show up with kids. This is a dangerous uh, journey for adults to make. When you drag along a six-year-old, we're seeing that they're not faring very well, and that shouldn't surprise anyone. Let alone that six-year-old being dragged multiple times, Dave. You know, that's the thing, the recycling of them and making them go through it again and again and again. And who knows whose hands they're being passed into, like you said. and And you and I have talked about this. The numbers of sexual assaults, uh, that are being committed in these caravans and in these mass numbers of people coming up. It's, it's, it's staggering. There are some very, very dangerous people. Women are being assaulted. Children are being assaulted. You've got gang members, drug cartel members, and other people, human beings, who have no sense of concern for anybody but themselves. And people right. are in serious danger here. How can congressional Democrats possibly justify their inaction in doing something to solve this and closing that family loophole? Yeah, I mean, many of these immigrants are actually being victimized by the process as well. You know, 30% of women are saying they're being sexually abused on the way to the United States. 17% of men have said they've been sexually abused on the way to the United States. Imagine what's happening to the children. Oh. And, you know, on top of it is that you know, many of these children are, are also showing up alone. They're being released into the United States, and then uh, some of them are being recruited into MS-13 because they have no family units around them, and they're looking for somewhere to call home, and MS-13 has been very effective in recruiting them. So we have a real mess on our border. We have zero uh, inclination by the Democrats to do anything to close these asylum loopholes, which honestly, Bob, I can't imagine if you sat Republican leaders and Democratic leaders down in a room together in two hours they could have this whole problem solved instead we're going to keep throwing money at the border throwing you know not doing anything about immigration enforcement and not changing the asylum laws that have incentivized we're going to have a million people apprehended at our southwestern border this year that hasn't happened since 2006 and most of those folks are going to be coming in asking for political asylum, knowing they'll be released, and then they disappear. 30 to 40% of them will never even bother to file their paperwork. 30 to 40% of them who get asked to come to a hearing will, will fail to show up. Why? Because they can come here, they can use a child to get in, and they can work illegally without being detected. We have 1.1 Work illegally or commit crimes to, to make their or way Or commit into, crimes, yeah. Yeah, which, right. which is another big problem. David, let me ask you one more question before we go. Um, okay. The president announced on Monday uh, the plans to extend the uh, power that immigration officers have to deport migrants before they appear at court. It's called fast-track deportations. Uh, right. And, and critics say this grants too much power to immigration agents and customs and border protection officials. But those who support this, and I am one of them, say that this is exactly what needs to be done 
To relieve some of the incredible congestion at the detention facilities, there is a backlog right. of 900,000 cases in immigration courts. So you've got all these beds in detention facilities taken up. It's what leads to the conditions that the uh, Democrats cry and, and pretend to be concerned about uh, with uh, with respect to the overcrowding at the um, at the border. This w- or at the centers, this would this would alleviate some of that. This would give. Uh, the opportunity to turn people around and send them back the other way much more quickly. If you're in the country for less than two years, you would be subject to this. And naturally, within seconds of announcing the policy, the ACLU filed a lawsuit to try to stop it. Uh, also, the American Immigration Council. Tell me how right. they can oppose something as simple as this very important uh, uh, measure taken by the White House. Yeah, the left seems to have embraced a new mindset on immigration that goes something like this. Bring them in, let them stay, let them vote. And that's, so anything that would work, in, that would throw a, uh, a ratchet in that whole process, they're going to oppose. This is common sense. Somebody who's been in the country uh, within 100 miles of the border, at current law, it's less than two weeks. The president would like to make it less than two years. I mean, whether the person's been here illegally two years or two weeks, they're still an illegal alien, and they should be allowed to be removed from the country. They ha- and in, this, in these cases, they haven't asked for asylum. They're simply here illegally trying to get into the country. That We need every tool we can to help manage this crisis. Remember, when Congress voted the $4.5 billion in spending, yeah. To, uh, you know, that was a Band-Aid on a festering wound. They're, they've done nothing about the festering wound. This is a tool that would be uh, critically important to border security to be able to catch people as they come in and simply turn them around and send them back across. And it's something that the, the president needs to fight for, like everything else you want with immigration. The, the average stay in those immigration detention facilities for people in the fast-track removal was 11 days from October right. 7, uh, 2017 to September of 2018, compared to 51 days for people arrested in the nation's interior. Right. So clearly there is a priority here. You want to alleviate the overcrowding, right. uh, and if people are it's so terrible, their torture centers, their concentration camps, why would you want them to be in there for so long? Let's go ahead and fast-track yeah. them and turn them around and set them free from their tormentors but headed back to the countries they came from. Um, yeah, great one, stuff. Yeah. All right. Take care, Bob. Thank you, Dave. I thought you had one more quick point there. but Yeah, I was going to say, anytime somebody talks to you about the, uh, you know, equates the, the security border security centers to concentration camps, remind them that anybody in those centers can ask to turn around and go back home at any time, and they will be released. That exactly. was not the case in Germany and Poland, and that it is a disgrace to make that comparison about our Border Patrol agents who are good people and our bill, our, our attempt to control our flow of illegal aliens into the country. I'm glad we waited to get your last comment on that, uh, David. That was perfect. <laughs> David, thanks so much. David Ray, Federation for American Immigration Reform. We're right back after this. Through downtown, through greater Cleveland, on 102.5 FM, it's the Bob France Authority.
All right, 1027, the Bob France Authority continues. Uh, I am told by multiple people who texted me, again, I can't listen to the Mueller testimony and the questioning going on right now because we're doing the live show, but I am told by multiple people that Jim Jordan just hung Bob Mueller on a cross. That's what he did. I'm going to have that audio for you coming up after the bottom of the hour news. But for now, it is um, Congressman Matt Gates, another member of the Freedom Caucus, who is uh, tearing into Bob Mueller. Let's give this a quick listen. Right. Director Mueller, can you state with confidence that the Steele dossier was not part of Russia's disinformation campaign? No, as I said in, the, uh, in my opening statement, I, the, uh, that uh, part of the... Uh, building of the case was predated me and by at least 10 months. Yeah, I mean, Paul Manafort's alleged uh, crimes regarding tax evasion predated you. You had no problem charging them. And matter of fact, it, 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 this Steele dossier predated the Attorney General, and he didn't have any problem answering the question. When Senator Cornyn asked the Attorney General the exact question I asked you, Director, the Attorney General said, and I'm quoting, no, I can't state that with confidence. And that's one of the areas I'm reviewing. I'm concerned about it, and I don't think it's entirely speculative. Now, if something is not entirely speculative, then it must have some factual basis, but you identify no factual basis regarding the dossier or the possibility that it was part of the Russia disinformation campaign. Now, Christopher Steele's reporting is referenced in your report. Steele reported to the FBI that senior Russian foreign ministry figures, among with other, along with other Russians, told him that there was, and I'm quoting from the Steele dossier, extensive evidence of conspiracy between the Trump campaign team and the Kremlin. So here's my question. Did Russians really tell that to Christopher Steele, or did he just make it all up and was he lying to the FBI? Uh, let me back up a second, if I could, and say, as I uh, said earlier, uh, with regard to the Steele, uh, that uh, that's beyond my purview. No, it is exactly your purview, Director Mueller, and here's why. Only one of two things is possible, right? Either Steele made this whole thing up and there were never any Russians telling him of this vast criminal conspiracy that you didn't find, or Russians lied to Steele. Now, if Russians were lying to Steele to undermine our confidence in our duly elected president, that would seem to be precisely your purview because you stated in your opening that the organizing principle was to fully and thoroughly investigate Russia's interference. But you weren't interested in whether or not Russians were interfering through Christopher Steele. And if Steele was lying, then you should have charged him with lying like you charged a variety of other people. But you say nothing about this in your report. Well, meanwhile, sir. Meanwhile, Director, you're quite loquacious on other topics. You write 3,500 words about the June 9 meeting between the Trump campaign and Russian lawyer Veselnitskaya. You write on page 103 of your report that the president's legal team suggested, and I'm quoting from your report, that the meeting might have been a setup by individuals working with the firm that produced the Steele reporting. So I'm going to ask you a very easy question, Director Mueller. On the week of June 9, who did Russian lawyer Veselnitskaya meet with more frequently? The Trump campaign or Glenn Simpson, who was functionally acting as an operative for the Democratic National Committee? Well, what I think is missing here is the fact that uh, this is under investigation other in, uh, elsewhere in the Justice I Department. That, and if I can finish, sir, and if I can finish, sir, and consequently, it's not within my purview. Uh, Department of Justice and FBI should be responsive to questions on this particular issue. So it appears as though uh, Bob Mueller has no interest whatsoever in addressing the issues raised by the Republicans about the veracity of his investigation from the very beginning. 
We'll come back and get more of that, including Congressman Jim Jordan's questioning of Bob Mueller right after this on AM 1420 The Answer. Six, get value. All right, it is 1036 as we continue on the Pop France Authority on a very important day today. Bob Mueller, the um, special counsel uh, who was appointed to investigate potential Russian uh, meddling in our in our 2016 presidential election and potential collusion with the Trump campaign, is being questioned uh, by Democrats who continue to try to make him say things that are not in his report, that Donald Trump obstructed justice or colluded with Russians, and by Republicans who want to know how he could even allow this uh, ridiculous show to go on for two years when he knew very early on that there was no evidence of collusion whatsoever. So I want you to listen to a little bit uh, more from select members of Congress, and I'm going to continue with Matt Gates, Representative Matt Gates from Florida. We stopped right before the news with his questioning of Bob Mueller uh, about the Steele dossier and why it is that Mueller is dodging questions on that, saying that's not part of his purview. Gates continues to rip into him. Here we go. It is absurd to suggest that a operative for the Democrats was meeting with this Russian lawyer the day before and the day after the Trump Tower meeting, and yet that's not something you reference. Now, Glenn Simpson testified under oath. He had dinner with Veselnitskaya the day before and the day after this meeting with the Trump team. Do you have any basis as you sit here today to believe that Steele was lying? As I said before, I'll say again, it's not my purview. Others are investigating what you uh, So, so it's not address. your purview to look into whether or not Steele's lying. It's not your purview to look into whether or not anti-Trump Russians are lying to Steele. And it's not your purview to look at whether or not Glenn Simpson was meeting with the Russians the day before and the day after you write 3,500 words about the Trump campaign meeting. So I'm wondering... How, the, how these decisions are guided, I look at the Inspector General's report. I'm citing from page 404 of the Inspector General's report. It states, Page stated, Trump's not ever going to be president, right? Right. Strzok replied, no, he's not. We'll stop it. Also in the Inspector General's report, there's someone identified as attorney number two. Attorney number two, this is page 419, replied, hell no and then added, viva la resistance. Attorney number two in the Inspector General's report and Strzok both worked on your team, didn't they? Pardon me? Can you ask? They, uh, they both worked on your team, didn't they? Uh, I know. I heard Strzok. Who else were you talking about? Attorney number two identified in the Inspector General's report. Okay. And the question was? Did he work for you? The guy who said viva la resistance. Peter, Peter Strzok worked for me for a period of time. Yes. Yeah, but so did the other guy that said Viva La Resistance. And here's what I'm kind of noticing, Director Mueller. When people associated with Trump lied, you threw the book at them. When Christopher Steele lied, nothing. And so it seems to be that when Glenn Simpson met with Russians, nothing. When the Trump campaign met with Russians, 3,500 words. And maybe the reason why there are this discrepancies in what you focused on is because the team time was so biased. Time of the gentleman has expired. Pledge to Mr. stop Jeffries Trump. Of New York. And that last part that you just heard from... Um from Matt Gates is important because you hired people who had pledged to stop Trump. That invalidates the whole of the Mueller investigation. He hired people who had pledged to stop Trump. That means it's not an investigation into questions of whether or not the Russians meddled in the election and colluded with Team Trump. It means here is an investigation intended to take down Trump. 
If that is the case, it is not an investigation by the very definition of the word. It is now a prosecution. He was trying to prosecute something and was in, and already made his conclusions, already concluded guilt, hired a whole bunch of other people who had concluded guilt, and then went on a search for evidence of that guilt. Let's move to Ohio's own Congressman Jim Jordan. I asked him Monday how much he was looking forward to questioning to Bob Mueller. He said, I have no idea. I said, can you, can you give me a sneak peek of what you're going to ask him? He said, no, I can't. And I understand why he had to make me wait. Let's find out if it was worth the wait. Congressman Jim Jordan, about a half an hour, 45 minutes ago. In fact, it was. It was at the top of the hour news. That's why we couldn't carry it live at 10 o'clock. This was Jim Jordan with Bob Mueller. Director, the FBI interviewed Joseph Mifsud on February 10th, 2017. In that interview, Mr. Mifsud lied. You point this out on page 193, volume 1. Mifsud denied. Mifsud also falsely stated. In addition, Mipsid omitted. Three times he lied to the FBI, yet you didn't charge him with the crime. Excuse me, are, did you Why say not? one? I'm sorry, did you say 193? Volume 1, 193. He lied three times, you pointed out in the report. Why didn't you charge him with the crime? Uh, I can't get into uh, internal deliberations with regard to who would or would not be. Uh, charge a lot of other people for making false statements. Let's remember this. Let's remember this. In 2016, the FBI did something they probably haven't done before. They spied on two American citizens associated with a presidential campaign, George Papadopoulos and Carter Page. With Carter Page, they went to the FISA court. They used the now famous dossier as part of the reason they were able to get the warrant and spy on Carter Page for a better part of a year. With Mr. Papadopoulos, they didn't go to the court. They used human sources. All kinds of, from about the moment Papadopoulos joins the Trump campaign, you got all these people all around the world starting to swirl around him. Names like Halper, Downer, Mifsud, Thompson, Meeting in Rome, London, all kinds of places. The FBI even sent, even sent a lady posing as somebody else, went by the name Asra Turk, even dispatched her to London to spy on Mr. Papadopoulos. In one of these meetings, Mr. Papadopoulos is talking to a foreign diplomat, and he tells the diplomat, Russians have dirt on Clinton. That diplomat then contacts the FBI, and the FBI opens an investigation based on that fact. You point this out on page one of the report. July 31st, 2016, they open the investigation based on that piece of information. Diplomat tells Papadopoulos, Russians have dirt, excuse me, Papadopoulos tells the diplomat, Russians have dirt on Clinton. Diplomat tells the FBI, what I'm wondering is, who told Papadopoulos? How'd he find out? I can't get into the evidentiary file. Yes, you can, because you wrote about it. You gave us the answer. Page 192 of the report, you tell us who told him. Joseph Mifsud. Joseph Mifsud's a guy who told Papadopoulos. The mysterious professor who lives in Rome and London, works at teaching two different universities. This is the guy who told Papadopoulos. He's the guy who starts it all. And when the FBI interviews him, he lies three times. And yet you don't charge him with a crime. You charge Rick Gates for false statements. You charge Paul Manafort for false statements. You charge Michael Cohen with false statements. You charge Michael Flynn, a three-star general, with false statements. But the guy who puts the country through this whole saga starts it all for three years we've lived this now. He lies, and you guys don't charge him. And I'm curious as to why. Well, we can't get into it, and, uh, and it's obvious, I think, that we can't get into charging decisions. When the FBI interviewed him in February, 
FBI interviews him in February, when the special counsel's office interviewed Mifsud. Did he lie to you guys, too? Can't get into that. Did you interview Mifsud? Can't get into that. Is Mifsud Western intelligence can't or Russian into intelligence? Can't get into that. A lot of things you can't get into. What's interesting, you can charge 13 Russians no one's ever heard of, no one's ever seen, no one's ever going to hear of them, no one's ever going to see them. You can charge them. You can charge all kinds of people who are around the president with false statements. But the guy who launches every, the guy who puts this whole story in motion, you can't charge him. I think I'm that's not, amazing. I'm not certain I, I, I'm not certain I uh, agree with your characterizations. Well, I'm reading from your report. Mifsud told Papadopoulos. Papadopoulos tells the diplomat. The diplomat tells the FBI. The FBI opens the investigation July 31st, 2016. And here we are three years later, July of 2019. The country's been put through this. And the central figure who launches it all lies to us. And you guys don't hunt him down and interview him again. And you don't charge him with a crime. Now, here's the good news. Here's the good news. The president was falsely accused of conspiracy. The FBI does a 10-month investigation, and James Comey, when we deposed him a year ago, told us at that point they had nothing. You do a 22-month investigation. At the end of that 22 months, you find no conspiracy. And what's the Democrats want to do? They want to keep investigating. They want to keep going. Maybe a better course of action, maybe a better course of action is to figure out how the false accusation started. Maybe it's to go back and actually figure out why Joseph Mifsud was lying to the FBI. And here's the good news. Here's the good news. That's exactly what Bill Barr is doing. And thank goodness for that. That's exactly what the Attorney General and John Durham are doing. They're going to find out why we went through this three-year three saga and get to the bottom of it. time of the gentleman has expired. Um, I can say this about the time of the gentleman. Daniel <laughs> Now, the other thing that I can say, though, and this is less exciting, is that for all of the obvious points that Jim Jordan just made and all of the obvious points that Jim Jordan just scored, Bob Mueller is useless. Bob, I can't get into that. I can't get into that. I can't get into that. Why can't you get into that? You wrote it. It is a very valid and legitimate question. You went after and charged countless numbers of Trump associates with crimes for false statements made to your investigative team. But when it comes to the guy that started, as Congressman Jordan said, the entire ball rolling in this investigation, which ended up in the lap of the FBI, you didn't charge him with the three lies that you wrote in the report that he made. Why? Because the bias in this rep- in this investigative probe was there from the beginning. It was never an investigation to answer a question. The question being, did the Russians somehow co- collaborate and cooperate and collude? The big three C's. I guess there's four. Conspire with the team with the Trump team or not? That would be a question that an investigation would be seeking to answer. Instead, they started with a statement. Trump had to have cheated to win the election. Let's go prove how. That's not an investigation. That is a flat-out prosecution, oftentimes referred to as a witch hunt. I'm going to give you one more question and answer session. Louis Gohmert, congressman from Texas, earlier this morning with Bob Mueller. Now... 
Mr. Mueller, who wrote the nine-minute comments you read at your May 29th press conference? Uh, I'm not going to get into that. Okay, so that's what I thought. You didn't Again, write. again. Simple question. You read a nine-minute statement about why you didn't want to testify and why your report speaks for itself. Did you write it? Uh, I can't tell you who wrote it. Whoa. You're not writing your own statements about the report that you alleged allegedly were, uh, wrote? Right. A 2013 puff piece in the Washingtonian about Comey said basically when Comey called, you'd drop everything you were doing. It gave examples. You're having dinner with your wife and daughter. Comey calls, you drop everything and go. Uh, it, the article quoted Comey as saying if a train were coming down the track, and I quote, at least Bob Mueller will be standing on the tracks with me. Yeah. Uh, you and James Comey have been good friends or were good friends for eight, for many years, correct? Well, we were business associates. We both started off in the Justice Department about this You were good time. friends. You can work together and not be friends, but you we and were Comey friends. were friends. We were friends. That's my question. Thank you for getting to the answer. Now, before you were appointed a special counsel, uh, had you talked to James Comey in the preceding six months? No. Uh, when you were appointed as special counsel, uh, was President uh, Trump's firing of Comey something you anticipated investigating, potentially obstruction of justice? I'm not going to get into that. That's the internal deliberations in the Justice Department. Actually, it goes to your credibility, and maybe you've been away from the courtroom for a while. Credibility is always relevant. It's always material, and that goes for you, too. You're a witness before us. Let me ask you, when you talk to President Trump... The By day the way, obviously, as I've pointed out, I haven't been able to watch all of this live. But one thing is clear. Every set of questions from every Republican that I've played thus far, from Gates to Jordan and now to Gomer, it doesn't matter what they ask him, he refuses to answer. Is this how it's been? Is this how it's been since he started this morning? Because this is incredible. He's a witness sworn to testify to the best of his ability, under oath what he knows, and he refuses to do so. It's like he's taking the fifth with every single question from a Republican. Before he appointed, or you were appointed as special counsel, you were talking to him about FBI director position again. Uh, did he but mention the as, firing of James not, Comey? Not as a candidate. I was asked. Did he mention the firing of James Comey in your discussion with him? Cannot remember. Pardon? Cannot remember. I don't believe so. You but don't, I'm not going to be specific. You don't remember. But if he did, you could have been a fact witness as to the president's comments and state of mind on firing James Comey. I suppose, uh, that's, I suppose that's possible. Yeah. So, most I mean, the summary of the testimony I'm getting from, from uh, Bob Mueller, uh, at least in cross-examination questioning from Republican members of these committees, is uh, it's not in my purview. I'm not going to get into that. Private deliberations within the Justice Department can't get into that, and I don't remember. I would have to ask how in the world this man was deemed competent to lead this investigation. How did Rod Rosenstein settle on him as the lead investigator, the special counsel slash prosecutor? Because if he doesn't remember anything, and he doesn't want to talk about things that he wrote, he must not have confidence in the things that he wrote in the report. And then thirdly, he's not even writing his own words? 
He gave a nine-minute statement to the people of this country after he released his written report. He gave a nine-minute statement and was asked by Louis Gohmert, who wrote your statement? And he said, I'm not going to tell you. None of your business. This is staggering stuff. It's 10.51. We'll get a quick time out here, our final time out. Then I'm going to come back give you the rest of Gohmert and a little bit to wrap it up as we continue on AM 1420, The Answer. It's the Bob France Authority. Here on AM 1420, The Answer. All right, we continue on AM 1420, the answer with the uh, final segment of the show. I want to pivot. I was giving you uh, Congressman Louis Gohmert uh, and his questioning of um, uh, Bob Mueller today, but I want to pivot, if I can, in the uh, last segment here, just to give you a couple of minutes of Congressman Buck from Colorado, Ken Buck, asking some very important and poignant questions of uh, Bob Mueller. We'll wrap it up with this. Mr. Mueller, over here. Hi. I want to start by thanking you for your service. You joined the Marines and, and led a rifle platoon in Vietnam, where you earned a Bronze Star, Purple Heart, and other commendations. You served as an assistant United States attorney leading the homicide unit here in D.C., U.S. attorney for the District of Massachusetts and later Northern uh, District of California, assistant attorney general for DOJ's criminal division, and the FBI director. So thank you. I appreciate that. But having reviewed your biography, It puzzles me why you handled your duties in this case the way you did. Boom. The report contradicts what you taught young attorneys at the Department of Justice, including to ensure that every defendant is treated fairly. Or as Justice Sutherland said in the Berger case, a prosecutor is not the representative of an ordinary party to a controversy, but of a sovereignty whose interest in a criminal prosecution is not that it shall win a case, but that justice shall be done, and that the prosecutor may strike hard blows, but he is not at liberty to strike foul ones fined by the statute. Six, section 1505 criminalizes acts that would obstruct or impede administrative proceedings as, as those before Congress or an administrative agency. Uh, the Department of Justice Criminal Resource Manual states that the FBI investigation is not a pending proceeding. 1512b3 talks about uh, intimidation threats. A lot of this is procedural, and I apologize for this, but General I wanted to get to the, the important questions he asked. And, and, and we'll try to do it before Director the end Comey of the second. not a witness. And 1512C2 talks about uh, tampering with a record. Um, and as Joe Biden described the uh, statute as being debated on the Senate floor, uh, he called this a uh, statute criminalizing document shredding. And uh, there's nothing in, the, uh, in your report that alleges that the president uh, uh, destroyed any, any evidence. So what I have to ask you, and, and what I, I think people are, are working around in this hearing is, uh, let me lay a little foundation for it. The ethical re- rules require that a prosecutor have a reasonable probability of, of conviction to bring a charge. Is that correct? Sounds generally accurate. Okay. And uh, the regulations uh, concerning your, your job as special counsel state that your job is to provide the attorney general with a confidential report explaining the prosecution or declination decisions reached by your office. You recommended declining prosecution of President Trump and anyone associated with his campaign because there was insufficient evidence to convict 
for a charge of conspiracy with Russian interference in the 2016 election. Is this that is fair? This is the money line. Fair. This is the money line. Was there sufficient evidence to convict President Trump or anyone else with obstruction of justice? We did not make that calculation. How could you not have made the calculation because with the regulation? The OLC opinion, the OLC opinion, Office of Legal Counsel, indicates that we cannot indict a sitting president. So one of the tools that a prosecutor would use is not there. Okay, but, but let me just stop. You made the decision on the Russian interference. You, you, you couldn't have indicted the president on that, and you made the decision on that. But when it came to obstruction, you threw a bunch of stuff up against the wall to see what would stick. And that is where we're going to have to end it. Ken Buck getting to the core of the matter. We'll discuss more of this on tomorrow's show. You can believe that. I'm sure you're going to get it on Gallagher. You're going to get it on Prager, on Gorka, and everybody else today. Thanks for being a part of being a part of the uh, Bob France Authority. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye bye. Enjoy the silence. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.